really meant what we just sang, that he is the sovereign Lord of all, even in areas that doesn't make sense to our mind, even in areas where our heart would like a different answer. And uh, this is probably one of the toughest questions uh, we could ever deal with. And it's still part of our, our series, Is Jesus the Only Way to God? And uh, let me uh, kind of review just briefly where we were last week. Because uh, in our small group, we, we often talk about our new life lesson because most of my group's in here. And uh, got great feedback that last time we met, we asked, is Jesus really necessary? Is the person in the work of Jesus Christ necessary for salvation? And we presented that there is one God and there, there is one humanity that has one problem. For the wages of sin is death. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And we said, therefore, because there is one true God, and there is one problem for one humanity, that there is one... Woohoo! I need to improve on that. That's not much better, is it? One mediator between man and God, who is Christ Jesus. And uh, the feedback I got from my group was that was very, very helpful. And it's a real easy way, along with some scriptures, you know, for all of sin, fall short of the glory of God. When you're talking to anyone, everyone knows there's no such thing as a perfect person. The wages of sin is death. Uh, there is a 100% ratio of how many people die on this planet. You know, there's no question about that. And then uh, there's one true God. Now, you might have some argument on that, but again, there's one God ultimately that is, even if you believe in many gods, even people who believe in many gods, there's usually one God who's over all the other gods, and then one mediator. Now, that's all fine and good, but here's the question. Coming right off of our missions week, um, this was a great lesson leading in to our world outreach celebration. Is Jesus necessary? Well, yes, he is. And so we need to uh, finance, pray, commit, and even be willing to go to the world with this one solution to a universal problem. Amen? And so we had our week. But that week then raises a question. What about those who have never heard? And that's where we are today in today's lesson. What about those who have never heard? So, where have we come so far in the series? Well, we've come and we said that hell is real. It's real. It's eternal. It's conscious. People will knowingly, and it's torment. Conscious torment, right? Now, what's the answer out of that? We said that Jesus is necessary. He is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now we have one more question to ask. What about those who have never heard? And the question comes down to this. Is faith necessary? Is conscious faith necessary? So do you see where we're going? That's your clue to say, yeah. 
All right. Does that make sense? Do you see where we're progressing? You know, first of all, is there even a problem? I mean, you know, why get all worked up about this if hell's not real? If we merely are uh, annihilated or uh, we cease to exist, believers and unbelievers, you know, if there's nothing after uh, death, then, then you know, what are we doing here? Are you with me? But when you say that hell is real, conscious, eternal suffering and torment, then there's a problem. And we're all going to face it. And so the answer is, what is the answer? And we said that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is necessary, but then that raises a question. There's 6.8 billion people in the world. What about those who have never heard? Because let's, you know, and, and we don't like thinking about this, or at least I don't. Do you? Do you like thinking about the fact that, hey, the reality is we're sending missionaries out, but people are dying quicker than missionaries are being sent. The other, the other reality is our missionary force is aging. They are retiring and coming off the field quicker than we can send them to the field. The realities are that with 6.8 billion people on this planet, there are people right now, second by second by second, who are dying and going into a Christless eternity, having never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we want to ignore that, don't we? I don't even like saying that. Because that raises the question, is that fair? Is that right? Now, we can say, hey, that's not fair, and then we can get mad at God. Or we can say, hey, that's not fair, and create another way into heaven apart from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we have to say, if we go that route, what did we just do to missions? I mean, why give your faith promise? Why make this commitment? Why would Keith and Debbie, Richard and Valerie Smith, why would these missionaries sacrifice if just don't go? And then that way, if they never hear, there's another way. This will be an uncomfortable. This is why the song that we just sang is so important. We will not come to a biblical answer to this question unless we submit to an almighty God and his revealed word. Okay, we're going to look again at some videos. So off we go. We're back. We're going to listen. Now, listen, we saw this two weeks ago, but I want, I want you to watch. We're going to see a new age spiritualist, which is Oprah. We're going to see a, uh, uh, we're, we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll see a second guy. And then we're going to see a, uh, a evangelical uh, preacher of the Bible. Now, listen to this. Listen to this Oprah clip again. Listen to how she reacts, to what her answers are, and just listen to what she thinks. She says something about heart or the name of Jesus. Very critical. And then just, just listen to these. these. These are good. Go ahead and keep A panel has been discussing the spirituality and the forces of God, but I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us, that we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on, but there's also a power of darkness that we do need to be aware of. And that's you, where the choice is. Do you begin. believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most, 
Most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, now Marianne uh, Williams says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other. That all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. That's right. She oh, you can leave them on. You can leave them on. Um, First of all, they're having this whole discussion, obviously, just uh, without knowing the whole context. They're just talking about going towards God, light, light, light. And here's this Christian lady, I, I, I really think she, she's a Christian, saying, hey, wait a minute, there's, there's two paths here. There, there, there's, there's two forces here. We, we can't just talk about the positive. We've got to talk about the negative, right? And she gets, she gets clapping. But Oprah jumps on that and says, now, wait a minute, now, wait a minute. We can choose either way, though, right? We can choose either way. She's like, okay, I, you know, you can bring the negative. You can bring sin into it as long as basically we're neutral and we get to pick either way. Now, is that what the Bible says? Are we born neutral? Are we born, you know, choosing one or the other? No, we're born. And see, if she would have responded with that, you would have seen a very interesting reaction to that discussion. So I'm just saying, boy, I mean, she jumped on that. Now, now, there's two ways, right? And we're always choosing one of those, right? Right? Okay, we're neutral. Basically, you know what that says? We're in control. We're in control. It's really about what I choose. Okay? Okay, go ahead. Calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks it, which, which is, anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway. Uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world that there are millions of ways to be then a human being and, and many ways no but many paths many to what you call god that and is her path crazy. might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light but her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her to, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you it doesn't matter whether she called it god along the way or not and i guess the danger that could be in that i mean it it sounds great on the onset but if you really look at both sides I there could couldn't possibly be just one way what what about jesus what about jesus
listen to this. No, not now. <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. Hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joe, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then That's a what Jew you... is not going to heaven. No, I, I, I can't. Well, no, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart. You know, I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart. And so, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm but not going to be the God. you believe your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But For someone who doesn't share it. Well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would, I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone? No, but I... About atheists? No, I just, you know what? I let, I let somebody, let, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just, again, I present the truth. And I say it every week, you know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But, you know what, I'm not going to go around telling everybody else if, if they don't want to believe that that's going to be their choice God's got to look at your own heart God's got to look at your heart and only God knows that you believe there's a place called heaven alright evangelism's rising star we're in trouble no I, I'm dead serious we're in trouble evangelism's rising star is saying on national TV given an open platform I just, I just don't want to say I just don't want to comment but you know what before we get too critical, and I say this in love, when's the last time you spoke up for Jesus Christ in the marketplace? You see, if we get really honest about it, we're no better than that if we haven't. We've done the same thing. You, we don't have a natural, uh, national platform. We have a local platform. You have an individual marketplace in which you live and work. And if we say no comment, I'd rather not comment on that, then I, we shouldn't really throw stones, should we? See, we look at that and say, missed opportunity, and rightly so. But God looks at us and says, missed opportunity, missed opportunity, missed opportunity. And that comes from no conviction. That comes from no compassion. That is the most unloving comment that he could do when thousands and thousands of people are listening. Now, what is he saying? He's really saying the same thing Oprah's saying. It's about the heart, and only God can judge the heart. Now, here's the problem. He's right. I can't say if any of you are going to have... The only person I can be 100% sure of in going to heaven is me, and that's even based on trusting completely in God. But I can say what God thinks. Why? Because God has what? He's spoken. God has spoken. See, these discussions are, are, are conducted in a way as though, oh... I can't judge. That's God. That's God. That's God. And that's noble and that's good and that's a right answer except it needs to be followed up with and he has spoken. And because he has spoken in a book that can be defended 
and can be supported as the authoritative, inspired, inerrant word of God, then we can say, if you believe this, then you are destined for hell. If you believe this, then you're destined for heaven. Not because I say so, but because God is the judge of our hearts and he has spoken. The word pierces deeper and, and separates between the, the bone and the marrow and the ligament. It goes to the heart. Okay, third video. I'm very strong against that. Uh, when I experience Jesus in the Bible, I experience a man, for example, who had a great friend in the, John the Baptist, um, who was killed by a, uh, a tyrant. He was executed at a birthday party. Um, he knew what Roman subjugation was. And in the midst of all of that, and all of that terrible thing, what did he do? He brings in uh, Simon the Zealot, who was a, a terrorist as one of his apostles. He also brings in Matthew, who was a tax collector with Herod, who's in cahoots with the Romans. He's bringing all of these diverse people, bringing unity, bringing peace, and bringing understanding. And his response was not, well, okay, let's, let's go get him. Although many of his followers wanted him to be that, that King David that was going to be the great warrior to overcome things. So and think, and he, he resisted that. You think he would be opposed to Oh, this? he would be very much. He, peace. Let, let's move with peace. Let's, let's talk. Let's move and, and, and move with strong force to a peaceful... Hi, Larry. I have to agree with Dr. Jones and everything that he has said. My question to your panel is, do they think that Hussein believes in religion or actually cares about prayer when he kills members of his own family? And well, he father, said, this confused. He says he prays, John MacArthur. Saddam Hussein, I'm sure he does. He prays five times a day, I believe. Yeah, unfortunately. Now, he believes, right? He yeah, believes but, it. He must be praying to something. What's the wrong God, unfortunately? There's only one true and living God, and that's the God of the Scriptures, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not praying to that God, you're praying to no one. But he doesn't believe that. So what, what do you he believes, do when you deal with that? I mean, how do you deal with that? His belief may be as strong as your belief. Sure, but... You can believe that you could fly and jump off a five-story building. It doesn't make it real. Uh, unfortunately, false religion is the ultimate is deception. Is the Muslim world all false? Well, the theology of Islam is false. It's the wrong God. It's the wrong so, view of but Christ. But when they hear that, don't they get that as an anti-American thought? Since they it has nothing American. to do with America. I would say that if I was French. That has nothing to do with America. But they it's think just, yours is they, the wrong God. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well... Yeah, they do, but uh, there has to be there has to be truth, um, and and untruth. And once you've established the truth, and I think the Word of God has been established as true, I think it can hold up under the most intense scrutiny. And uh, other books do not. Other Bishop, books. Don't you believe, Bishop Talbert, that Christianity is the right path? I believe it is for Christians, but uh, we are not here tonight to settle to settle which religion is right. That that dispute belongs to God. We're here to practice what we preach. But and you believe your religion is right, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. Or else why believe it? That is right. So therefore, the other religions have to be wrong. No, I don't say that at all. I don't follow that. No, I don't. If you believe your religion is right, I, my, the other religions I are believe, wrong. I believe my God is large enough to be inclusive of all human beings who are created in God's image. And that includes those religions that are not Christians. Okay. I want to ask a question then. Why did Jesus say... Yeah, why did Paul say, if any man preaches any other Christ than the true Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, let him be anathema? Yeah. Uh, why does the Bible say, neither is there salvation in any other, other name than Jesus Christ? Why does the Scripture condemn anyone 
who rejects Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ? Why yeah. is the message so exclusive? For me, in salvation scripture? in Jesus Christ is the way. And what I try to do as a Christian is to live that example. My responsibility is not to convert all other religions, but to live the Christian faith in the face of those religions. Are you going to say that uh, my our friend on the show tonight who is Jewish is on the wrong path? That's God's choice. That's God's judgment, not mine. Bellingham, Mass. All right. Do you see it? Okay, lights, please. Do you see the pattern there? So you, you, you've, you've got a New Age spiritualist, uh, a, uh, a, a preacher of a false gospel, and a, pre, and, and a preacher of the true gospel. Two of them agree. One of them has a radically different answer. And then you have a lot of other religious people up there talking, all saying, again, all saying the same thing, and yet saying, you know, hey, I got my beliefs, but, but listen, here's my point. For a couple of things. First of all, this question, what about those who haven't heard, is not just out there for the, 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 the person living on the Amazon River who has never heard the gospel. It's not just about the Chinese person who is in the mountains uh, of Siberia and who has never heard the gospel. It's for right here as well because the same arguments are being made right here. Are you with me? And all of the relativism, all the pluralism that you're seeing represented by the minute, that I believe this, this is right for me, it's not my place to judge, it's not my place to comment, it's not my place. Holding contradict. I mean, and, you know, Larry had, the, I mean, between Larry and, and MacArthur, they were the most sane people we heard this morning. I mean, King is sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, if yours is right, then the others are wrong. Now, listen, folks, we need to man up and say, you're right. But that's not based on what I say. It's based on what? What God says. And God has the right to speak because he made us and he created. And in his grace, he has revealed to us ahead of time what's coming. So I hope that preps you, gets you going. Here we are. Faith isn't necessary. Let's look at the quotes at the beginning of your notes. First of all, we have the Oprah quote that we already heard from her own mouth. Here's an evangelical theologian who has drifted into uh, heresy and, 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 um, and recently died just this last month. And, 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 and I hope that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I know what the Word of God says, and I know that he, at the end of his life, was denying it. Because here's what he says. We do not need to think of the church as the ark of salvation, leaving everyone else in hell. We can rather think of it as the chosen witness to the fullness of salvation that has come into the world through Jesus. Now, what he's saying is two things. He's saying, look, we don't look at Christianity as the ark of salvation where you have to be a Christian and, and if you're not, everyone's going to hell. Rather, the church is the witness to the fullness of salvation. And what Clark Pinnock means by that is you can be saved outside of Christ if you've never heard of Christ, but you don't have the fullness of salvation. So that's what he's saying. Now, I, I forgot to say this. In that last video between whatever that guy was, a bishop or something, and MacArthur, they used, one used one word called inclusive. My God is big enough to include everybody, inclusive. And then MacArthur came back and said, why do, are the scriptures so exclusive? And those are the two key words we're talking about here. 
All right. Now, that's one other quote by a Jesuit theologian. Listen to this. Anonymous Christianity. This man, Carl Rayner, coined this word. Anonymous Christianity means that a person lives in the grace of God and attains salvation outside of explicitly constituted Christianity. Those who have never heard, okay, are anonymous Christians. Let us say a Buddhist monk who, because he follows his conscience attains salvation and lives in the grace of God, of him I must say he is an anonymous Christian. If not, I would have to presuppose that there is a genuine path to salvation that really attains that goal, but that simply, ha- but that simply has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. In other words, I'd have to be a pluralist. I'd have to say there's many paths to God, but I don't want to be a pluralist as a Jesuit Catholic priest So I've got to come up with something different, but I cannot do that. And so if I hold, if everyone depends upon Jesus Christ only for salvation, there's the middle. Jesus is necessary. And if at the same time I hold that many live in the world who have not expressly recognized Jesus Christ. And he's not saying just those who have never heard. He's talking about those who are in world religions, Muslims. Buddhists, you know, they're, they're worshiping sincerely, then there remains, in my opinion, nothing else but to take up this postulate of an anonymous Christian. They're Christians, but they don't know it. They're anonymous Christians. They don't know it. Now, first of all, think of how arrogant and, and, and presumptuous this is towards the other world's religion. You know, I mean, I think this is more arrogant than saying you're going to hell. That is, you're really one of, one of, one of us, you just don't know it. <laughs> okay? But that's where you go when you don't submit to the one true God, when you don't submit to the Scriptures, and you face this very real question. All right, so what's this series all about? Three questions in one. Is Jesus the only way to salvation? We dealt with the first question. Will anyone experience eternal conscious torment under God's wrath in hell? Universalism says no. In the end, all people will be saved, even the devil and his demons. Conditional immortality says, no, unbelievers will suffer temporarily, but at the final judgment, they will be annihilated and no longer exist. But what does Jesus say? Yes, and I love people enough to come to earth, warn them about it with conviction and compassion, and offer myself as the only way out of it. That was the first question over here. Second question that's in this one question, is Jesus the only way? Is the work of Jesus necessary for salvation? Pluralism says what? No, there are many paths to God. He has many faces. Oprah said there's millions of ways to God. There just has to be. There has to be, okay? But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, yes, I am necessary. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Third question within this one question, is Jesus the only way to salvation? Is conscious faith, is conscious faith in Jesus necessary for salvation? Must people hear the gospel and then respond to that gospel to be saved? Inclusivism, there's that word, inclusive including everyone, inclusivism, which you heard three different representations of that in these videos, or maybe four even. 
Here's the answer. No, conscious faith is not in Jesus is not necessary. Those who have never heard of Jesus but sincerely respond in faith to the light they have will be saved on the basis of the work of Jesus. Now, this is evangelical inclusivism. Much of what you heard on those videos would have been not based on Jesus in any way. You know, just as long as you're sincere in the faith you have, then you will be saved. But evangelical, if I, and it's an oxymoron, so please forgive me for even, it, it, it's, it's just even difficult to say. Evangelical inclusivism would say this. There are, as long as you're sincere in the faith that you have, on the basis of the necessary and provided work of Jesus Christ, God will save you. And again, it's an anonymous deal. You don't know about him. You don't know he died for you. You've never heard the gospel. But God is so gracious, so merciful, and he must be fair to these millions of people who have never heard that he will save you on the basis of Christ alone, even though you've never heard, because you're, you're faithful to the light that you have. Now, that light, remember Oprah res- talked about responding to the light that you have. Now, the light in, this, in, in, in that definition can be the general revelation of creation. You can look at the stars and say there must be a God, and therefore I believe, and therefore you will be saved. It, it can be conscious, conscience. Hey, I know there must be something greater than me out there, and I believe in that. All right, you're saved on the basis of the work of Christ. So it can be creation, it can be conscience, and the light can even be conflicting world religions. It can be Buddhism. It could be Islam. Because it is, it is argued that there's facets of those beliefs that point you to the one true God. Now, we don't have time to study each of these religions, but the fact is they're all contradictory. Larry King's right. One says this, and therefore, because it says this is true, guess what? Everything else is then that counters that is wrong. That's as true for Buddhism as it is for Islam as it is for Christianity. You simply, everybody can't be right, folks. Everyone cannot be right. Now, therefore, um, there have been some who call such people, uh, such inclusivists, evangelical pluralists now this is true in the sense that they're evangelical because they believe in jesus and that jesus is necessary for salvation but they're actually pluralists why because they believe there are many paths to that one true god or to jesus christ does that make sense what i'm saying evangelical pluralists there's many ways you don't know you don't have to hear about jesus You don't have to know about Jesus. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You can still get to Jesus' saving work in many ways. Evangelical pluralism, which again is an oxymoron. And then we've already talked about anonymous. It makes these people anonymous Christians. They're Christians because they're going to be saved by Christ, but they're anonymous. They don't even know it. We don't know it. You can't know it. Why? Because God's the judge. You just can't know it. Now, what does that do for missions? I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all right. What's it do for missions? Does what, Nancy? It's not necessary. Last week wasn't necessary. Tear up your faith promise commitment. Give, you know, buy, buy a Corvette with all your missions dollars. 
it would be a better investment if that's true. Because they're all, basically, it's not only evangelical pluralism, it's evangelical universalism. Because who doesn't look at the stars and think there might be something out there? Who doesn't, uh, you know, respond sincerely to something good in some... I mean, who, who isn't covered by that? There's no one that's not covered by that. And then it comes home to roost. What about... Uh, our, our immigrants, our, our, our people who are coming in who, who may live here in America but are sincerely uh, Buddhists or sincerely Muslims. Well, why really witness to them? Because if they're sincere and on the basis of Christ's work and God is love, I mean, what, what, what do I really need to do? So, see, this isn't just something way out there. It's something right here. Does that make sense? All right. Now... Let us move on. What does Jesus say about is faith necessary? Well, let's read some verses they have, you have in there. Jesus says, yes. Is faith necessary? Here's what Jesus says. Yes. Enter. Now, here's what he says. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. This inclusivism says it includes many, many, many. That tells you right there they're on the broad way. Jesus says, no, there's only few that are going to find it. It's a narrow way. It's an exclusive way. And few are those that find it. He goes on. Here's another Matthew 20. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. It's exclusive. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There's the answer. What about those who have never heard? This is from Jesus. This is not me. This is Jesus. This is the word of God. The wrath of God abides on them. Because if you do not believe the Son, you do not have life. And the wrath of God abides on you. It couldn't be any more clear from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. Because after all, this is the goal. We're trying to avoid eternal death. The goal is eternal life. So here's Jesus defining eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God... And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You cannot know the true God and not know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know the true God. They are linked for eternal life. Peter agrees. The apostle Peter would say, yes, faith is necessary. When asked by the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. If he had been an inclusiveness, inclusivist, he would have said, well, are you sincere in what you believe already? If so, you're okay. But by the way, Jesus would just make your life that much better. He wouldn't have said what he said if he was an inclusive, uh, inclusivist. Paul agrees. Paul says, yes, faith is necessary. Listen to Romans 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What does those who've never heard need? They need a preacher of the word of the gospel, the word that says salvation is by faith. Now, notice what he says. 
He says that if you confess with your mouth, not Buddha, not Muhammad, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that's the gospel, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, if we are going to say anything else is true, then we have just made Paul a liar. And it's not Paul, it's the inspired word of God. God is not speaking truth. If he is this exclusive, and yet there are other ways. John agrees. John the apostle would say, yes, faith is necessary. Listen to 1 John 5, 10 through 12. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. So when we reject the Lord Jesus Christ, we call God a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony God has given concerning his son. And here's the testimony. That God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. If you do not hear, possess the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have life. If you reject that... Or, or if you affirm any other way, you're calling God a liar because God has testified. He has spoken. This is true. All right, there we go. Now, now let's, let's break this down. Look in your notes what it says. If the, if the two choices were merely exclusivism or pluralism, if we only had two choices, it would be easy to, if, if you believe the Bible, which way to go, right? If that's where the only choices. In fact, in the quotes that I read for you, that's what the Jesuit theologian, he's trying to avoid pluralism. I mean, you know, a, 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 an evangelical, a Bible believer, a believer that Jesus Christ is necessary, knows that pluralism is wrong. So if you only had these two choices, you would go with exclusivism, the belief that, G, that you have to hear the gospel and believe in Christ. But that raises this question, and that's the question that's in the middle. What about those who have never heard of Jesus and therefore have never had a chance to trust him? Oh, ouch. Now, what do I do with it? That's a real problem. That's a real question. Now, what has happened is Bible-believing Christians, you have a choice now. Am I going to go with what God says even though it goes against some of my reasoning? Because I'm telling you, if you reason this out, you'll land with the wrong answer. If you go with human reason, you will land with the wrong answer. If you go with your heart, you will go with the wrong answer. So you have either, I'm going to go with the Bible, or I'm going to go with what I think, or my conception of God. And so that's where inclusivism has come up, which is really evangelical pluralism. So here's the answer. What about those who have never heard? Exclusivism is there on the left. Jesus is the only Savior for all humanity and is not possible to attain salvation apart from explicit knowledge of Him and conscious faith in Him. Pluralism would say, what about those who have never heard of Jesus? It's okay. The major world religions provide independent paths to salvation and the divine reality, whatever that is. In other words, there's many ways there. Jesus is the only way. Inclusivism answers this question. The unevangelized may be saved on the basis of the work of Christ. Christ is necessary. If they respond in faith to God based on the life they have, they're saved not because of their works,
but because of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the only way. There's no other name under heaven or on earth by which... So it has to be by Jesus, but because they've never heard of Jesus, if they're sincere in their response to the light they have, then they'll get in. Now, that sounds reasonable. Let's face it. Does that not sound reasonable? It sounds fair, does it not? It sounds fair. It sounds just. It sounds loving. It sounds compassionate. And it sounds like the God many of us perceive, that he has to be fair according to our sense of fairness. The question is, is it the God of the Bible? Is it God's fairness? Is it God's justice? Now, here's the dividing point. Notice underneath there, the dividing point, or notice, um, people are saved on the basis of the work of Christ, both in exclusivism and inclusivism. The difference is, in exclusivism, you consciously place your faith in him. In inclusivism, you're saved on the basis of the work, but you just don't know it. You're you're unconscious in your faith. You're, You're just putting, do you see the difference? In pluralism, the basis is not the blood of Jesus. So the dividing point between pluralism and the others is Jesus is necessary. Jesus is necessary. That's on the right side. But there's a dividing point between exclusivism and inclusivism, and the dividing point there is faith in Jesus is necessary. Now, my whole goal today was I just got to introduce you to these issues. I've got to teach you. And and it's repulsive to teach false doctrine. But I must make you aware because we have a twofold responsibility as Christians to teach the truth and to refute the false. And so you do have to, you, you need to understand this. Now, here's another reason why you need to understand. Because if you don't study this, you will naturally be an inclusivist. And remember, the point of this series was to create tension and surface confusion. And listen, I call you to repentance in grace and love because I struggle with these same things. I have a human mind. I consider myself, I have a sharp intellect. And if I, if I let that intellect go at this problem, I will arrive at wrong conclusions. I have a heart. And if I let that heart run wild, I will run to the wrong conclusions. I have a will. And if I humbly submit that will to the one true God, I will arrive at the right answers. And so if you're here right now and you're like, you know what? I'm an evangelical pluralist. I'm an inclusivist. Then I call you this morning to repent of that. Confess that. Acknowledge that to God and say, God, sort out my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. Your justice, your love is beyond my comprehension. Your word is clear. I'm going with your word this morning. If I accomplish nothing more than to convert some of you from inclusivism to exclusivism by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, then today has been eternally rewarding. And the cause of missions will be advanced. Because, listen, 
If there's other ways, your passion is less, your commitment is less, and there's no reason to sacrifice to get the gospel out if there's many ways, if there's other ways. Amen? Does this make sense? All right, so here we are. There's the dividing point. Now, notice, both universalism, all will be saved in the end, and pluralism, many paths to salvation, are advanced by means of inclusivism. Because as I said, here's the many paths. Hey, you can. You, there's many paths. That's pluralism. And all these people who have never heard aren't going to hell. They're going to heaven. And so that's why this is so vital to understand. And the reason for this is because inclusivism is based on two axioms. Two axioms. Two presuppositions. So how does someone become an inclusivist? Well, here's what they hold on to. Number one, axiom number one, the love of God for people and his desire for universal salvation. If you just focus on the love of God in, in certain scriptures and you just focus on certain scriptures that talk about God's heart for the world, you'll end up an inclusivist who believes that he, God, to be loving and just, must give access to salvation to every person on the planet without exclusion. Here's a couple verses that they hold on to. 1 Timothy 2.3 For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if you just camp on that verse... You're going to say, hey, look, to be just and fair and to be consistent, God has to get this gospel somehow to every living person every second before they die. Look at uh, John 3.16. We don't have to go any farther than that. For God so loved what? The world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the world. And if he loves the world and he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life, then he's obligated to let them know. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the focus here is on God's love for people, and it's greater than any other attribute. See, they focus on God's love, and they forget God's holiness. They focus on God's love, and they forget God's justice. They focus on God's love and they forget God's righteousness. But God is all these things at once. He's not segmented, segmented, seg, seg, I can't even say that word. He's not separated out like that. God's heart's desire is mistaken for his sovereign will. Uh, his compassion is made equal to his choice. Well, God has a heart for the world, but that doesn't mean he chooses all to be saved. God has a heart for the world but that doesn't mean that it is his sovereign will that that will be accomplished in every single person the bible does not mistake god's desire for his sovereign will and salvation so what do we need to do here we need to maintain a biblical uh tension all right we're just that that's that's as far as we're gonna get we're gonna we'll look at these two axioms next week let me open it up we got time um let me give you the second axiom, just so that you have a complete. The second axiom of inclusivism is this, the necessity and the finality of Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, this may catch you, you know, this may surprise you, but, but it's true. So they, an inclusivist, would hold on to Acts 4.12. 
there, nor is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, inclusivists agree with that. There is no other name, but they interpret that as authority. These people are saved in many ways, but it's only by the authority of Jesus Christ. So you see? So, you know, you quote 412 to an inclusive, they'll say, I agree with that. But you got to ask them, what do you mean by that? Is that all that name means there is authority? Or does name mean character and identity? We'll find out next week. Another verse that they hold on to is uh, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And they would say, exactly. None of these people come except through him. That verse, they would argue, says nothing about the unevangelized. It's only speaking to the... Jesus was speaking to his disciples. They were evangelized. Besides, no one does come to the Father except through him. They're just unconscious of it. Uh, Tricky, huh? That's the way false teaching is. That's the way false teaching is. And we have to learn to discern. Okay, open it up for questions. Surely there are questions. And we may not be able to answer them. We just want to hear them. Yes. Yeah, great question. This is totally interrelated with infant salvation. Because those who have never heard would also include those who are not, cannot understand the gospel. You know, you can shout the gospel to someone in a coma or who's been born. You know, people, there's people who are born comatose. You can shout the gospel to them. They're not going to, well, some people here in coma, but you understand what I'm saying. Somebody that is uh, mentally challenged, there's people who are mentally challenged that just cannot comprehend. What about them? And then obviously an infant. What about uh, abortion? Uh, children who have been aborted, miscarriages, or uh, stillbirths would all fall into this category. And now here's the rub. Most, many tr- biblical evangelical, evangelicals would say infants are saved, that God's grace, that the work of Christ, that hearing the gospel and faith is not necessary. And so guess what the inclusivists say? What do they say? You're nodding your head. Well, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. I mean, if, 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 if you, you've already now acknowledged there's an exception. There, are, there is a segment of the human population who are saved without hearing and responding to the gospel based on the works. All we are saying is God's mercy is wide It's called a wider hope, a wider mercy. It's wide enough to go beyond infants and the mentally challenged to include those who have never heard. What are you going to say to that? But here's the problem. It doesn't stop with those who have never heard. If you widen it to those who have never heard, then why isn't it every single person? Because after all, not every... How many people have really heard a really solid, good, biblical presentation of the gospel? There's many people who haven't, to our own blame. So you've got to draw the line somewhere. And, of course, it's not ours to draw it arbitrarily. We have to find out where it got. So great question. That's exactly related. Yeah. 
Yes. All right, great question, because here's what an inclusivist would say. An inclusivist would say, hey, what about Melchizedek? He appears out of nowhere, and he's, he's, a, he's the king of, righteous, uh, king, king of righteousness. He, he, he's a believer, and he just appears out of nowhere. And then what about Jethro? Uh, he kind of appears out of no, nowhere. Moses' father-in-law, and he was a believer. And what about Job? Job was before all these guys. And, and, and so what, what inclusivists would say, these are holy pagans. They're holy pagans out there. The Old Testament has proof. So that's a good question. So an inclusive would say, I'm glad you brought that up. Because there's people, according to the inclusivist understanding, who are in the Old Testament, who have no clue who Jesus is. According to them are left to general revelation and conscious and have come to and are, are seen in the Bible as being saved. And the inclusivist would take you to the New Testament and say, Cornelius is our poster boy of a holy pagan. Because Cornelius was a believer and then Peter came and preached Christ and he got the fullness of salvation. So th- now, we'll get this next week, but... Do you know what that makes Christianity? A second blessing. See, you can, get, you can be saved apart from Christ without knowing about him, and then you get the second blessing, the fullness of Christianity. That's what Cornelius got. He was a believer. And so an inclusive is say you have believers and then you have Christians. Both are going to heaven. Believers can become Christians and get the fullness, but believers are still going to heaven. So good question. What are you going to answer that? All right, good. What? One more. Anybody else? So, if God is so loving, how does He choose some people to hear and accept His salvation and maybe choose others? Okay, if God is so loving, how does He choose some and not others? Well, we're out of ta- time, Francis. <laughs> I know, I've had this discussion. I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding you. No, we are. I mean, there's no way. But great question. That applies to this is because, by the way, most inclusive, well, all inclusivists, I, I would believe, I think, I, I, you have to check me on this one. Many inclusivists would believe that the destiny, the eternal destiny, rests solely with people. And so that is a question. I mean, God could choose all, but he doesn't. Because let's just get down to the crux of it. If God wanted to, he could choose everybody. So what's the basis of that? I'm going to just leave you. So all three, these are all three questions that I haven't answered, and I've tried to argue even from the inclusivist you know, answer. And the inclusivist would say to that, well, that's the point. That's The inclusive would say, you've just got down to the point. God's loving And this is the only way, so it is God's responsibility to be fair and just and allow as many ways to Jesus as possible so that everyone can choose. You going to come back next week? All right, all right, let's pray. Father, your ways are beyond our ways, and it's very obvious that these questions touch on real issues, real heart, 
real heart issues. And Lord, uh, in humility, we know that apart from your word, we are, we are ignorant and we are uh, in bondage to lies if we do not submit ourselves to who you are by faith through your grace. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, the wisdom from above. Give us insight. And, Lord, enable us in the weeks to come to struggle with these questions, to to find answers in your word. But more than that, to not be no-comment Christians, but to be bold and compassionate and speak with conviction to the needs of people. In Jesus' name, amen.